Thanks for joining Walt and me today. My name is Brenda McCord. Each week, we look forward to sharing lessons from God's Word. This podcast, Walk with God, is part of our ministry, Discover God's Truth. We invite you to visit the website and subscribe at discovergodstruth.org, where you can grow and be encouraged in your personal walk with the Lord. We appreciate the outreach ministry of TheAwakeningWorldwide.com. Welcome, friends. You know, as Walt and I continue to read and study the book of 1 Peter, we, we just repeat this word to each other over and over again throughout the week. This book is rich. It's so rich. And just peeling back verse by verse, I have to tell you, even in preparation for today's lesson, we we took away a couple verses at the end. We're like, we can't cover all of this. There's so I, much here. By the way, you need to know, we almost kind of had a fight because we're like, we could do this in two <laughs> lessons. Let's slow it. But, but anyway. Well, we're... We're ready to dig in. We're rolling up our sleeves. This is heavy duty as we march into chapter two in first Peter. But Peter's addressing the topic of our salvation, not just the deliverance from sin, which is salvation, but salvation is so much more. It's how will our lives be changed? Yeah, that's that sanctifying aspect of salvation. We should look, look different this year than we did last year. Yeah, exactly. And if if we've studied a passage of scripture, we've studied it, we've asked the Holy Spirit to speak over our lives, it should change. We should have that head to heart, which is huge for Walt and me. We want to apply God's word. We want to grow. We want to be different. And we invite you to join us as we grow in our walk with God Well, before we begin in chapter two, I want us to just step back to the last verses in chapter one, because remember, the chapters weren't in place. Peter wrote a letter, and we have to look at this. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. But what? The word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. God's word is going to abide forever. We are teaching. Peter's saying, this is what you've heard. You've heard us. We've been teaching. We've been preaching. And remember, these are words from Isaiah, the prophet, 700 years before Peter lived. These words are meant to be words of comfort for God's people. Comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God. And these words are spoken with kindness. And the, you know, Brenda, even as you say that, that yeah. those are the immediate verses just before he talks about that, the word mm. of God which abides to ever. And even as we get to that point, one of the things um, I'm praying for, and you know this because I've shared this with you, I would ask you to, a head to heart for me, maybe a head to heart for you as our listeners, Lord, help me this year to have words that will comfort people, words that are spoken in kindness, words that encourage them, words that are impactful. And, and I want them to be true, and I want them to be biblical, I want them to be wise words spoken in love. But, you know, we're living in a time when there's so many harsh and divisive and demeaning 
words, First Peter 1, 22, fervently love one another from your heart. Have words of love. Have words that comfort people. Have words that are spoken with kindness. Well, even as we've set up the, the context of this, Peter continues with an instruction to believers. And in the midst of loving and caring for one another, he says this in chapter 2. He uses an imagery of food, and he says this, So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and all envy and all slander. Do you see the things we're to put away, the things that we're not to have in our life? And instead, like a newborn infant, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have trusted that the Lord is good. Do away with these negative things, these old habits, these old actions, the evil behavior. Be done with deceit and hypocrisy and jealousy and unkind speech. Have words that comfort. Have words that encourage. You know, Paul says the same thing in Colossians. Actually, there's a number of different passages that are talking about, but but in Colossians 3.8, it says, but now you must put away them anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Y'all, we're to live differently. We're to speak differently. We're to be holy. That's what what Peter said to them earlier in chapter one. We're to be unique and distinct and different. We're not to blend into the world, talk like them, live like them, harm others like they do. We're to love better than the world loves. And so do this positive action. Crave for pure spiritual milk that you'll grow into the full experience of salvation. You know, and, and it's interesting, there's a number of different images that are used about the Word of God. And <clears throat> you can't see this, but Brenda's nodding her head and we were talking through this. But here in First Peter, it talks about milk for babes. This is a good thing. But in Hebrews chapter 5, it says, hey, are you still drinking milk? You need meat. You need something of substance to grow you into maturity. So milk is a good thing when you're a baby. But as you grow, you need meat. You need solid food. But then also Jesus, when he's tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he reminds them that the word of God is bread. It sustains you. It it grows you. And then lastly, I love in Psalm 119, it talks about the word of God. It's like honey. It's delightful. Um, You know know this about my wife, but I'm going to tell you something. My wife, if you want to say, what is a great treat for you? Early in the morning, late at night, it's a good piece of bread with honey on it. She just loves that. And and so that's a delightful treat for her Folks, when's the last time you thought of the Word of God as a delightful treat? You know, Peter wants us to cry out like an infant for the nourishment, for that spiritual food we receive from God's Word. And Jesus repeatedly taught his disciples, remember, even the last night before he was betrayed, before he was crucified, he said, this this bread is my body. You need to lean into me. You need to, to grow in me. You need to be sustained by me. You need to learn to live like children, coming to, to, to the Lord. Um, and Jesus repeatedly loses, uses that, those children's images. He said this in Matthew's Gospel, Unless you become like one of these children, you shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. He said this later, Whoever humbles himself as this child, he's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We need to be babes. We need to grow in our maturity, but we need to constantly cry out, God, help me. And he does that by giving us his word. 
And, you know, just a head to heart, Walt, as you're speaking through that, is my question, do I prioritize God's word each day? I mean, I don't miss a meal most days, you know, Um, you know, I'm looking for a snack or I'm looking for, you know, what are we making for dinner tonight? And, you know, those are, you know, my, the way I live my day. But do I look at God's word like that? The milk for babes, the meat, the bread, that honey, that sweetness, as you mentioned, that time we spend in God's word, reading and studying, taking time to listen to good sermons where we have pastors who are teaching God's word. Psalm 1-2 says, his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's that same thing you were just saying, Walt, about honey, that delight, that that taste something that we look forward to because what it's sweet it's sweet on our tongue right on his law he meditates day and night it's not just enough to run over a couple of verses but but literally do we chew them you know when you eat a good piece of meat um even eating bread but you've got to chew it and so do we meditate god's word will transform our lives and the way we live every day and you know psalm 1 it talks about this is the blessed man he doesn't do these wicked things that's what peter said don't do those things but instead focus your law focus on the law of god focus on the word of god meditate on it day and night have it in your mind um, I, every so often, Brenda and I remind each other, like we're, we're talking passionately. We passionately believe in this because we've seen this transform our lives. And, and that's what we do this podcast. We've been transformed. We're being transformed. We want God's word to do the same thing to you. Yeah. And now Peter is going to move here in these verses. So we've been talking about food and eating. So hope, hopefully you're not hungry, but we're now going to move from eating to construction and his audience will be reminded of the temple in Jerusalem, especially those Jews who are reading this, who've now become believers in Messiah. So beginning of verse four, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, in other words, it's confirmed in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So what what do we see here? We've got We've got three verses, four, five, and six, and there is a ton here. Christ is the living stone. We see that in verse four. He's the living stone. He was rejected by people, by men, rejected, mocked, scorned, put through false trials. Especially by the Jewish religious leaders. Exactly. I mean, they were plotting and planning. We've got to get rid of Jesus. But there at the end of verse four, a huge but, huge, huge but. We should always look as we're reading God's word when we see but. But what? He was chosen by God for great honor. He's chosen and he is precious in the sight of God. God, his father, sent 
Jesus, the son, to pay the penalty, what, for my sin, for your sin. And how precious is that for you? Yeah, exactly. And it takes us then right into verse five, because Jesus was willing to pay that price. Now you are a living stone. You're being built up as a spiritual house. What does that mean? That means that each of us is essential for what the work God wants to do. He's building a house. He's building the church. We're, we're thinking in Jerusalem, we're looking at the temple, but it's so much more than that because it's eternal. It's spiritual. And friends, we need each other. God has, yes, an individual purpose for your life, for my life, but he has a corporate purpose for all of us as the spiritual house of God. And then he goes on here in verse five to be a holy priesthood. What? You've got to be from the tribe of Levi if you want to be a priest. That's what these people are thinking, right? And they've been trained in that. They're like, wait, I can't be a priest. Yeah, exactly. I'm not right. I'm not from the right, um, you know, tribe. I'm, I'm not out of Levi. But what he's saying here is as a holy priesthood, that's our service to God. We're serving him. Why? Because he redeemed us. He brought us out of the slavery of sin, that eternal death where we were headed, and then goes on to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. What is that? What is my spiritual sacrifice? It's worship to the Lord. It's what I can offer to God is service and worship. So think of that. We've been transformed from a slave into a priest. And and just a quick comment about a priest. You know, a priest's job was to bring God to man. He was he was supposed to speak the words of God and teach people what what pleased God, teach people what they need, but he was also to lift up man to God. He was to be an intercessor. And he said that's what God desires for each and every one of us. He wants us to be spiritual priests. He wants me to intercede for my neighbor next door. He wants me to represent God to him, my neighbor that doesn't know God, but he also wants me to take him, and I do, and I take this guy and I pray for him. Um, I recently invited him to church. He wants me to reach out to him and to be God's man in that place. But, you know, that whole imagery where, where, you know, Jesus is this precious cornerstone that has been rejected. We're to be living stones, but I love the next passage, Brenda. Yeah, in in verse 6, just as a summary, coming out of Psalm 118, 22, as I mentioned, Zion here is the heavenly Jerusalem. That's where we're headed. That's where we're going. Christ is the cornerstone. We're living stones. And Jesus, I, I and I just want us to even camp on, and even if you just take these words away, Jesus in verse four and six, chosen and precious. The father chose him. He is precious in the heavenly father's sight. Whoever believes in him, in Jesus, will not be put to shame. You know, Dr. Tom Constable's notes, uh, I just love this statement. We need each other. We should support each other. We should work together to build the church in the world. Christ is the cornerstone, 
and we are the living stones. And you know, no one in Scripture, I believe, was better equipped to teach this as we conclude this imagery of the stone. Remember, um, at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus is there with, with Simon Peter, and he says, who do men say that I am? And Jesus, people say, you're this, you're that. And he says, who do you believe I am? And Simon Peter says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but the heavenly Father revealed this to you. And Jesus said, Simon, I'm changing your name. You're no longer Simon, but your name is Petros. You are now the rock. Um, I am Jesus and the foundation, but, but Simon, you need to hear this. Um, and, and with that, He's, he's challenging him to think differently. You know, Jesus is the living stone. He's the cornerstone. He's precious and valuable. And as we conclude this section, so the honor for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected, Jesus rejected by the religious leaders, he's become the sto- cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. This living stone that we then become living stones, the living stone, the cornerstone is a rejected stone. Some chose to reject Jesus as Savior. We see that in the Gospels. But then others, he became a stumbling stone. They turn away. They stumble over him spiritually. But all of this is based on a choice. Will you accept or will you reject Jesus? And so we don't do this every week, but I just ask you, are you accepting? Are you accepting Jesus? Are you asking him to change? Are you looking to him for sustenance, for milk and meat and bread and honey? Or are you rejecting him? And that's your choice. Uh, but I, we, Brenda and I both, we just ask that God would change and transform your life and our life as we walk with him. Let me pray as we close. So Father God, I thank you. This passage is going to go on to talk about a royal priesthood, and it's going to go on to talk about um, how you're working in our life. And so we ask God, Spirit of God, have your own way. You're the potter, and we're to be the clay. You're to mold us and make us after your will. While we are here, while we are yielded, and still. So, Father, in this week ahead, we ask that you would transform us. We ask that the things that anger and wrath and malice would decrease, and our love, our desire for your word that feeds us and fills us and nourishes us and is delightful for us, we ask that that would grow as we continue to walk with God. Thank you for listening to this lesson from God's Word. Walk with God is part of the teaching ministry of Discover God's Truth. Visit our website at discovergodstruth.org. We appreciate the outreach ministry of theawakeningworldwide.com.